Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michael J. McFall about building a successful, self-sustaining company. Michael J. McFall, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about building a successful, self-sustaining company. Uh, I'm big into this idea of sustainability. Not just, you know, we use sustainability to talk about environmental sustainability. That's important, of course. But in talking about relationship sustainability, team sustainability, organizational sustainability. Like we shouldn't do things that supposedly are, you know, for our strategic benefit unless we can do it in a sustainable way. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels, beating our head against the wall, expending a lot of time, energy, and resources to do things that ultimately aren't going to matter. Because most change that needs to happen within organizations uh, takes a long time. And so you have to have sustainable effort over time and consistent effort to make sure that we're getting to where we want to go. So I'm super excited to chat with you about this today and unpack all that. As we get started, I wanted to share Michael's bio with everybody. Michael J. McFall is co-founder and co-CEO at Big B Coffee, the U.S.'s third largest coffee franchise. Mike is the Everman CEO. He doesn't have a yacht, a podcast, or an MBA at a time when there's a lot of confident-sounding startup advice from academics or ultra-wealthy tycoons. Mike's remarkable life journey from minimum wage barista to business leader has given him a very different outlook. His perspective on business shaped by spending the last 23 years helping hundreds of people open and operate successful coffee shops provides a much needed roadmap for today's entrepreneurs so they can turn their ideas into profitable reality. If Mike's business philosophy can be distilled down to its essence, it would be this, be brave, be humble, be thoughtful, be aware of others and be yourself. I love it. That is a fantastic way to think about business and really how we interact with other humans. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? No, that's a great start. <laughs> that's a great start. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Tell us a little bit more about just your path or journey. Um, at, like, as it says, you know, you start minimum wage barista, you move your way up, you, you develop yourself in your career over time, you, you grow into more meaningful, more substantial leadership roles over time. 
now you find yourself as co-CEO. So tell us a little bit more about that journey. Yeah, you know, it, it, it started, uh, you know, I started in East Lansing working at, on, a, on a research project at the university, uh, Michigan State University, and took the job at Bigby just to supplement a little bit of income. I was 24 years old. And, and so, um, but, you know, frankly, uh, you know, what happened was, is I, I fell in love with the business. I fell in love with retail coffee, uh, got, you know, and, and my, my business partner uh, today approached me about taking more more uh, responsibility within the company. And, and I did that. And I, and I kind of left my, my academic, I was, I was on my way back to graduate school is what I was doing uh, in, in East Lansing, preparing to go back to graduate school. And, you know, I think it's really, you know, so I, I spent 25 years building that business with him, uh, Big B Coffee, the franchise and so on. But it's really come full circle because I, you know, when I started in the, in the coffee industry, I, I was really headed back to the land of academia. My, my mom was a professor at Michigan State. I, that's really where I wanted to end up. And, and here we are 25 years later, full circle. Uh, I've written one book. My second book's in the editing process. I have a, I'm on faculty here at University of Michigan uh, teaching. And so, you know, it, it was a, a long way around, but I ended up coming back to, uh, to writing and, and teaching. And, uh, and, and I really enjoy that part of my life now. Well, that's fantastic and great to hear. And what a great part of the country uh, to be doing all of that in. And uh, I, I consider myself a scholar practitioner. I'm a professor. I do consulting work, uh, things like this podcast, which are a ton of fun for me to be able to talk to people like you. And uh, being in the university space is, is wonderful. I love interacting with students. I also you know, love interacting with business leaders and working out in industry as well. So uh, kudos to you and uh, in carving out your path and, and finding a way that works and is... is uh, really resonates with you and who you are. Um, and so you find yourself now in this leadership role running a, a really large coffee company, third largest in the country. Um, and the topic for today, again, uh, building a successful self-sustaining company, you know, part of that is how do you scale sustainably? So when I think about, for example, Starbucks, everyone, when they think about coffee, they think about Starbucks. And Starbucks, you know, clearly has had successes, but it's also had some struggles and challenges. It's facing right now some some labor challenges, uh, and some could argue that their growth wasn't always scalable. Uh, it, it wasn't always sustainable. The the, the speed in which they scaled. Um, tell us a little bit about perhaps lessons learned from your experience in terms of growing and scaling and, and trying to help the company succeed, uh, sure. and per, perhaps setbacks that you also learned from. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I've always approached anything I do, and I've approached my business from the perspective of looking at it in five-year increments. Everything's always in these five-year increments. And the, the one thing that this business has taught me over 25 years is patience, that, that things take a long time. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the premise of my, my second book that I'm, that's coming out uh, well, shortly, I hope, <laughs> uh, is that, you know, really, as entrepreneurs, there's a massive transformation that needs to occur by the entrepreneur. When you start a company uh, in the startup phase, you're, you're bootstrapping up entrepreneur, you're, you know, making it happen, whatever has to happen, you're in it, you're on it, you're doing it. And then, you know, you hit this, you know, the, the, the glorious moment of positive cash flow where you start to, you start to generate some cash and income and so on. And then there's this long arc that you have to go from, from that position 
to what I define sustainable as and in, in terms of a business is the entrepreneur and or, you know, founder can get run over by a bus and the business will continue to thrive. Right. So that that's my definition of sustainable. So I can get run over tomorrow and my business will continue to flourish. And so from this, this arc uh, goes from bootstrapping entrepreneur to what I would call, you know, very effective leader. And then you go from very effective leader to irrelevant. And so that is a, and it's a transition that most entrepreneurs can't tolerate <laughs> can't figure out how to to get through and and uh but but what i'm aiming for is that i want entrepreneurs to have a sustainable enterprise on their hands that they own as an asset that gives them ultimate flexibility and what i what i see in the world that happens a lot is that entrepreneurs kickstart the business get it launched get it to some some degree of of success and then they want out Right. They 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 want to cash out. They want to bring in, you know, outside leader or outside money, private equity uh, and, and, and then move on. And, and it's like, yeah, but I think the most gratifying parts of of managing and, and operating a business, I think you're, you're missing those in that in that process of, you know, launch uh, some amount of, um, some amount of success and then and then private equity and then you're gone as the founder. And so what I'm what I'm advocating is, is that that arc from bootstrapping entrepreneur to irrelevance or sustainability, to me, that is like one of the most beautiful and challenging evolutions for an entrepreneur uh, out there, right? Because uh, the person you are at startup is a very, very different person than you are as a as a strong leader, and then even being able to 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 make yourself irrelevant in the business. Yeah, and I'm sure there are some listening who, who, when you say the word irrelevant, bristle at that a little bit. And, you know, it takes a lot people a lot of, it takes a lot of time, passion, energy, it's your baby, right? When you're starting this, this business, um, you're putting your blood, sweat and tears into it. And to think that you're going to get to this point where you're going to be irrelevant to that. It's kind of like me thinking at, at some point, I'm going to have my children They're I'm going to raise them, I'm going to launch them, they're going to go off on their own in the world. And then I'm irrelevant to them. I don't matter anymore. They don't care about me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. But that's not what you're talking about. No. Um, and, and just like when I launch my children, hopefully successfully in the future, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, um, right. <laughs> you know, they, they will still remember me and my wife and they will remember their siblings and they will come back to visit and they will look to us for advice at times and we'll be able to still support them in ways. Um, and, and I think that's actually a good metaphor or analogy for, uh, the, the way things can happen with uh, a founder, with an entrepreneur, because you want to be irrelevant in the sense that the work can go on without you. Like you said, you get hit by a bus, you, you uh, have terminal disease of some sort or whatever, that the business will carry on and that they'll be successful. And in fact, it's the mark of a true leader when you can make yourself irrelevant in that way, when you can build up and develop your team to the point where you can step away and they can function at a really high level, perhaps even better than when you were there, um, then that's, that's, that means you did your job. That means you well, they, are a really successful leader. That's the, I mean, so you, well, one, I use the, I use the children 
graduating into college and going on into life analogy in my book, because I think it's, it's absolutely uh, apropos, right? But the thing is, is that that last piece you, you mentioned there to me is, is the critical piece, which is you as the entrepreneur have to understand that your management team will be better at running and, and growing the organization than you are. And, and the reason I say that is, is you're bringing in specialists that are very, very good at what they do. They're way better than, and, and that's a hard pill for most entrepreneurs to swallow. Most entrepreneurs take this stance of, well, I'll let my management team make decisions, make mistakes, skin their knee and learn. And that mentality right there is that you know better than they do. You're going to allow them to skin their knee and then come back and correct. And it, that is a warped perspective. It is a very sort of self-centered, arrogant perspective that most entrepreneurs take, right? Myself included. I mean, I'm, yeah, well, again, it's, it's a really takes, hard transition. It takes a rather high level of confidence and even ego to be willing to step into the entrepreneurial space because it's hard work, right? You have to, you have to really own it and you have to be confident in your vision. So I totally get it why that transition could be hard for people and, and what you were just describing. I, I think, I think that really is key. Um, I, I like taking a developmental approach uh, when working with people and when, when you have a team of individuals uh, taking a developmental approach, but it's, it's, you're, you're, you're coming from a completely different starting point when you think I am the sage on the stage uh, expert in everything, come to me and I'm going to back up, let you fail. And then I'm going to come on, come in like a, a, a white savior and, right. and fix everything for you. That's a completely different way of being with your people than hiring the very best people, surrounding yourself with great expertise, great skill sets, and, and then just letting them loose and, and letting them do what they do best. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've bootstrapped my own initiatives and my own business and, and while I think I'm competent, I can do quite a few things that I, before I didn't think I could do. Um, I am not a marketing expert. So I've, I've become competent at it. Uh, but if I can hire somebody who is a marketing expert, why in the world would I try to micromanage them or try to get them to do what I want them to do? Otherwise I should just do it. You know, why even hire them? And so right. that, that really is a really hard uh, learning curve and transition, I think, for a lot of leaders, not just for entrepreneurs, by the way, but for any leader as they start to rise through the ranks uh, yeah. within an organization, uh, to, to go from being the expert to managing and leading the experts is hard. Well, you know, and, and I, I just, uh, this past year, I was interviewed for, I, I forget what magazine it was. I think it was like QSR uh, magazine. It was CEO, uh, CEO's advice to other CEOs. And, and, and I, and I, they had me summarize my, my position in one word uh, in my advice to CEOs. And I, I said, shut up. Right. And, and, and what I mean by that is that you need to change your mindset from when you hire somebody who's a world-class leader in their, in their specialty, you need to change your mindset that you're, you're coaching and teaching them to flip that around, be quiet and let them come to you with what they need. And that is a whole, it's a, a completely different perspective and a very powerful one. When, when you, you know, we have a, a woman that works with us. Uh, she's I mean, world-class in her, in her, in her, um, uh, she, she managed the subway uh, sandwich shop development 
uh, engine uh, for 25 years, and uh, we've hired her to to be in charge of our development. And you know, when she comes to me with something she needs, like it's a powerful moment, you know, like because she's brilliant. And and so, but it's a it's a change in mindset, and it's something that uh, to to evolve into my definition of sustainability as an enterprise, you have to evolve into that. Otherwise, you know, the hardest part for people though is is if you are irrelevant, that means you feel like you're you don't have value and you're not needed and your phone's not ringing 25 times a day and you're i went away for with an entrepreneur a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur um for for four days uh, and and you know I, I think my phone rang once in four days and his rang like 25 times a day and i was like how do you live like this like how is it how does this work for you and he's running a pretty big enterprise he's a pretty successful guy it's like how does how do you do this like how do you even manage in your world with your phone ringing 25 times in a day like that's insanity that is and in it it, it, it shows that this person was fostering too much reliance, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which, which, which is problematic because then you don't let your people flourish. Um, and there's a reason why that kind of culture develops. And it's usually because you're micromanaging people because right. they know they don't, they're not empowered to actually make decisions. And they know that you need to sign off on every last little thing. And so now instead of them just running with their work and being creative and innovative now, you know, they, they, what, what I've seen when this happens in organizations, it's a super common problem is that people just lose their initiative. So for a while they come in, they're passionate, they're excited, they're gung ho, they're moving forward, they're trying all sorts of things. And then they just get shot down over and over and over again. They get the, the boss micromanaging them and they, they just decide, well, he or she is just going to do whatever they want anyway. So I'm just going to, they're going to ask me to do something. I'll just kind of do a really rough first run through. I'll send it on to them and then let them do with it, whatever they want. And when you, when you get to that point, which a lot of teams yeah. and a lot of organizations get to, then, then the, the CEO or the executive leader is complete, a complete bottleneck and your people aren't passionate. They're not engaged. They're not happy with what they're doing. And chances are they're looking for something else. They're just buying yeah, their yeah. time. Right. Well, and they don't own both their successes and or their failures, because if you're approving everything, then the end result is on you and not on them. And that is uninspiring for them. Right. And, and if you have effective, strong leaders, they want to own it. They want to take charge of it. They want to. And so, you know, uh, I had a, a very good friend of mine who was a CEO of a, of, a, of a big brand. And he said his role as a CEO was to make four or five decisions a year. And that was it. And it, I could tell you his whole is the success story was phenomenal. Right. But but like that, that's the thing, right? You, you your people need to be empowered so they own whatever it is that they're doing. Otherwise, you're right. What's the point? What, what are they there for? If you're going to you're going to take care of everything for them and answer every question, then. Well, and I remember this was years ago. So I was, I was interning at a consulting firm um, my second year of, of grad school. And, and I, you know, it was a really interesting job. I, I was particularly super excited, you know, as I was new to the position, I was there for about a year. Um, you know, it, it, it's exactly the type of work I thought I wanted to do. And, and I was in it and I was living it and it was exciting and everything. But very quickly, what I realized that that honeymoon period wore off. And I very quickly realized that the president uh, micromanaged everything, that everyone felt stressed out. He was kind of constantly in, in just panic mode, just crisis mode. Um, so we weren't doing anything in preparation, you know, for long term, it was always like, 
immediate needs uh, panic of just like doing what needs to get done today because of this huge looming deadline. And, and people were frazzled, people felt disempowered. Um, and it was ironic because, you know, his whole firm was around, you know, facilitating teams and leadership and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and he, and he, he was really good at what he did in speaking and consulting with other organizations. It just turned out he wasn't so good at practicing what he preached. Um, and, but I remember one particular position, the mark, the marketing director, I remember her just being so exacerbated because she would, she was very talented, put all this time and energy into creating great assets. And then she'd show them to him and he would meddle and ultimately want her to make all these changes that made it way less effective and, and just drab and, and not exciting at all, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and, yeah, he thought he was smarter than she was, right? He thought That's, that was, right. that was the bottom line. He thought he was smarter. Uh, and so, and, and, and let me tell you, he, when he was smart in many ways, but when it came to marketing, he was not. And so he, but he thought he was. And so he's micromanaging. He, everything has to go through him. And pretty soon she just made very little effort because she knew she didn't, she was embarrassed to like show, I remember having a conversation with her. She was looking for another job and she's like, I don't want to show a future employer, any of the work I've done here because oh, it's terrible because yeah. it's not good because the boss has made me change everything. And, you know, so she didn't last very long. She ends up leaving somewhere else. She's had a successful career since then. But, you know, that, that was an eye-opening kind of an experience for me. I was young, naive. Um, I was excited, early, you know, career, excited to be doing that kind of work. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, you know, there, this stuff is tricky and it, there's more to it than we often think. And you can't just say the right things. You got to do the right things and do them consistently. Yeah. And, and really the role becomes more of a, a facilitator of the team and the health of the team dynamic so that the, 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 the disparate parts, marketing and development and finance and operations and whatever, that they work well together. Your job as the, as the manager of that enterprise is to make sure that those people, that the, the people in those positions are, have a healthy engagement with each other. And that, that's an that's a t- incredibly different skill set than, than you know, hard-charging CEO making every single decision. And, 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 like, and, I, and I see it every day, right? I mean, I see it every day with other leaders. And you know, I, I, I don't do my own email anymore. And, and so you have, I have these friends of mine that are running these massive companies, you know, and, and they cannot believe that I don't do my own email. And like, it's just such a waste of time, but, but Mike, how do you keep track of what's going on? I don't need to keep track of what's going on. Why do I need to know about what's happening at our food distributor and, and the update to, you know, our, our Cleveland, you know, territory like that, that's irrelevant in my world. We have very competent people that are all over that. Right. And so, but, but that's a, it's an example of like, I don't need to know. I don't well, need you to can't, be in You it. don't need to know and you can't know. Can't. That's right. That, that's the right. thing is there's right. no way you can possibly hold all of that in your head. And so right. if you try, you're going to end up making mistakes <laughs> that the, that the people that are skilled and focused on a particular area, uh, you know, they, they can keep it in their head. They can't, they have systems to make sure they're doing it correctly. Your job at this high executive level is to think big picture, strategic vision, you know, those right. pieces, and you right. can't keep all of the other little stuff in your head. You just can't. And, and inevitably 
even if you think you're on top of everything and keeping a thousand balls up in the air, you're There's gonna no drop stuff and, and yeah. then major problems will happen. Yeah, you know, the dynamic too, that when you're in a meeting and you're a dominant leader, what ends up occurring in the meeting is, is the, the players in the meeting are not thinking freely and, and engaging what's going on. They're simply trying to figure out what you think and then get on board with that as opposed to actually bringing their thoughts and opinions to the table. And, and that's the dynamic that you see in the world constantly, which is all people want to do is figure out what, what the CEO, what the leader wants and then align with that and and hopefully get in a position where their their alignment works for them and their department and so on as opposed to just bring in their thoughts and opinions right about the, the topic or, or whatever it might be and that the ceo dominance thing is uh, i call it the ceo disease um I, I wrote an article about it for forbes and you know the ceo disease is something that i mean it, it's the conversation we're having right here and and you know i i uh, uh, I'm pretty passionate about it because it is about human development. It's about, it's about the CEO letting their people develop. And to me, it's the most gratifying thing about being an entrepreneur is you start a company, it thrives, you bring team members in, you watch them thrive within the mechanism that you started and built. And, and to me, it is, it is top four most, most you know, engaging, interesting parts of being an entrepreneur. Well, I love it, Mike. That is very well said. I have a lot of other thoughts and we could go on and on and on, I believe, but I know the time and I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. So before sure. we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the best way to get in touch with me is, is LinkedIn at this point. Um, you know, I, I don't really do email. And, and, and so LinkedIn is, is probably the most efficient place to connect with me. Um, you know, and my, my, final, my final topic, my final thought on this topic is, is that as leaders, we need to constantly be engaging and thinking and, and improving how we manage our teams and that, and that it's about the facilitation of the team, not about managing if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So leadership as facilitation, not as management, not as administration, not as micromanaging. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not management and administration. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Mike and his team can do for you. Check out uh, the great work that he's doing. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast enjoy ad-free listening by going to the patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level and please leave a review thank you for your support thanks again for joining us for this episode of the human capital innovations podcast i hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week